You know, I love coming to this event every month because my favorite people in all the world, it's been this way for a long time, are people who will change on their own. I can look far ahead and say, hey, something's coming. I should probably adjust. You ever get frustrated with those people that are just, ah, I just am who I am. Just, just me. It's just me. It's not just you. <laughs> it's actually, you've got somebody on the inside of you, or you could. I guess if you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, that can help you change your life. I got married later on in life, I guess culturally. I guess it all depends on where you're at. But I got married on 29, 30, somewhere around there. And so I have this unique spot that I've got young, young kids. But I've, always, I've already lived enough life to not really want to mess with young, young kids. Like, you know, you... You get married early, and you're like, man, let's do this. Let's, yeah, let's have a family. Oh, kids. Like, I didn't have that moment. I was like, kids? Are you sure? Is this? And my wife, she wanted to have five, because for her, that was a small family. I told her, look around. There are no, there are no people with five, five people in their family. So I got an introduction to fatherhood about two years really into it. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're a dad out there, I don't really get it that I have a kid to about six months after we have the kid. Like you're walking around, I'm in the house, I'm like, oh my God, there's a baby back there. That's my baby. What am I going to do with the baby? Because, you know, I live in a world, I don't live in that world anymore. I'm just a man and I, you take care of the kid and I'm going to go over here and do some work and watch TV. My wife grew up in the wrong era for that. Like, I'm changing diapers. We worked it out. I mean, she worked it out that I would, I'd do the 11 o'clock shift, and then I'd get up in the morning, I'd do the 4 o'clock shift. I'm like, where is your shift? She's like, my shift's all day. I'm like, but you're awake during the day. I'm not awake at 11. If... Well, so a few years into it, my kid, whom I love dearly, of course, I have three. I've got a three-year-old, two-year-old, and he's eight months. Let's call him a one-year-old for, you know, we've got two more to go. I'm sitting there in the morning. So I get up early because you got to start getting up early if you're going to do anything in this world. We all figure that out. I mean, when I worked construction, <laughs> I worked construction two summers. Toughest job in America. By, by the time I got back to August, I'm like, please, get me back to school. Sign me up for every class. I am not going to do that for the rest of my life. So if you're doing construction today, man, hats off to you because I was just the grunt kid. Go throw this away. Go take it, throw that away. It was hard, hard work. Every time I drive by a building, my dad's a land surveyor, and so he's in that world. And every time I drive by a building, I think, man, that didn't, that didn't build itself. There's some incredible, incredible people just working their tails off to get that red iron all thing, everything put together. So I've got, I learned to get up early, and I'm up early in the morning, and I'm sitting there, and I, I do what I should do. I'm praying. I'm reading the Bible. But that's my time. Like, nobody messes with me. My wife's not up. We don't have to talk. We don't have to discuss anything. There's no feelings. Like, no, there's no feelings before uh, 5 in the morning, right? So all of a sudden, out of the blue, out walks my, at that time, 2-year-old. 5.45 in the morning. Where, this is not in the manual. Kids don't get up that early. No, no, you go back to bed. I don't know. Th- that's not happening. You, so, I, so I picked him up, and I took him back to bed. <laughs> you go to sleep. He told him, no, I want to get out. I want to get up. I, I want a snack. <laughs> Who eats a snack at 5.45 in the morning? I said, no, you go back to bed. 
No, you go back to bed, back to bed, back to bed every morning for the next two weeks. I spend all of my time, I'm supposed to be with God, yelling at my kid to go back to bed. And then it hit me. Jesus said, John 14, 9, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I thought, I'm blowing it. I got a chance. My kid could think this is normal. That somebody get up every morning, read the Bible, pray. I thought, I gotta change that. Well, you remember when you got when you get out of high school and the first time you meet somebody that lived differently than you did? You know, they're talking and they're like, Oh yeah, my, my parents let me eat all the sugary cereal and stay up all night long watching TV, and you're like, You live like that? Your your parents let you do that? See, when we're kids, we think this is normal. So I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fool him. He's gonna go to college one day and think this is normal, getting up early in the morning, reading his Bible, praying. So the next morning, I'm like, hey, come on out here. Let's read a Bible story. So we started that every morning, reading a Bible story. Jesus tells a story about, it's, it's a story you've heard before. It's Luke 15. It's the prodigal son. It's about a dad and two sons. And in that story, of course, he's got two boys. He's got the firstborn and the secondborn. And the secondborn, at least for me and everybody I've seen, is always the wildest, the honoriest. He's the guy with more gumption. He comes to a dad one day, and I'm sure dad's in his office. He's checking things. Sheep are up, oxen up, you know, crops down. And there's a tradition in Jewish faith back then that a kid could come to his father, tell him, I want my inheritance. I want it right now. I'm leaving. That's a crazy tradition. Who gives a 17-year-old kid money? Nobody's smart. But he does it. Second morning comes and says, Dad, I want my money. <laughs> I'm sure Dad's like, your money? <laughs> you don't have any money, son. I have money. Then maybe one day you'll get if I die. But until then, you don't have any money. But the kid knows how it works, so he tells him, no, 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 I want my money. And like a good dad, he tries to help him out and says, no, that's not a good idea. That's a bad idea. If you, you're going to lose all that money. But Dad, come on. Come on, Dad. This is what you do. Just let me do my thing like a good dad, he says, okay, I'll tell you what, mom, you know, your mom's been on me. We'll, we'll start you a business. We'll find a way to direct that money. We'll put in some stocks, some bonds. And that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. And kid's not having it. I was 18 once. He's got his own ideas. He's going to solve all the world's problems. He tells dad no. And in this, in this time period, if you said that to your parents, you said, I want my inheritance. I'm going to go. I'm going to take it. I'm going to do my own thing with it. You are effectively saying, I wish you were dead. Which is something you say to your parents when you're that age. So, turns out they're no, no much different than us. So, dad's like, ah, one more shot. Okay. Son, if you do this, you're going to end up face down in a hog trough somewhere, eating on corn cobs because you're going to lose all that money. Kid wasn't having it takes it, goes off. He does the thing. You know the story we all had it, sex, drugs, Christian college. <laughs> but dad takes a different approach. See, at that time, I told you, they've got to separate. Dad's got to say, no, you go do your thing. We are now doing our thing. If dad comes back to him, if dad responds back to him, if dad helps him out, sends him a check, that's a disgrace. 
He's disgraced his family. But his dad takes a different approach. He begins to think, man, I, I remember what it was like when I was a kid. I, wanted, I was fired up. I wanted to go do things in my life. Hmm. He's going on doing his thing. You know the end of the story. Eventually the kid comes up over that hill, comes back to the village, torn, worn, beaten, addicted to everything, wasted everything. Just going to be a servant. If I could just be a servant, that's all I need to be. And dad does something different. This is a clue to where we're going. Dad looks at him, and at that time, you've seen the movies. They're wearing shoulder-to-toe robes. You know, they're still wearing it over the Middle East today. And a man who was a dignified man had to just walk slowly, couldn't move quickly, couldn't show his ankles or his knees or his legs, any other skin except his face and his hands. And he sees his kid come up over that hill, and he's got an option. He's got a choice. But at that moment, it's not just his kids failed. He thinks back and remembers what it's like to be a failure. So he picks up his robe, and this is a big deal back then. This would be me throwing off my suit jacket, taking off, running full speed, he, said, he pulls that robe up, and I'm, boom, just, I mean, high knee in it, white legs, I'm sure. You know, you see an old man legs, little sprigs of hair popping out, you know. And he runs over, oh, embraces his kid. Because he, he felt like he felt. He recognized that. And when he does that, there's a connection made. And that connection has the ability to soften a boy's heart, a man's heart for the Word of God, has the ability to open his mind so he'll think differently. And most important, it has the ability to weaken his knees in prayer. See, Jesus had a unique position on this earth. That's why I love how God did this specific ways, because Jesus was all of God and all of man. So in short, this is a really long theology lesson, but all of God's divinity, power, strength, everything we see is God as Lord, sovereign Lord. He stripped all that away, shoved it into a human and then said, okay, you got to walk like they walk, talk like they talk, learn like they learn. So when Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, it's a big deal. Jesus comes around the corner. This is in Mark chapter 6. And he comes around the corner one day. He sees a big group of people. And back then, the sick and the beaten and the torn and the warm, we didn't have hospitals, no Walgreens, no urgent care. They just all sat in a big place, hoping if you read some other parts of the Bible, that maybe an angel slide by and they'll get healed. Maybe they'll get some money. You know, there's always people begging in those days. And Jesus comes around the corner, and I imagine he's got, he's got his disciples there, his friends, his boys. And he's like, if I'm him, I'm like, what are these people doing? You got no jobs to go to? You just sitting around? I, he's like, Luke, what's going on here? And I imagine Luke is like, well, Jesus, they're all sick. Sick? Don't they know the Bible? I don't know, Jesus. What, what's the Bible say? Well, I imagine he said, of course, he didn't call it the Bible. It was just the Old Testament at that time. But in Exodus, it says in 25, chapter 25, that if you heed the Lord God and all his commandments, that I'll put none of these diseases upon you. It says in 16, Exodus, flip that. 25, it says, I'll bless your bread and your water, Luke. And I'll take sickness away from the midst of you, meaning God. 
And Luke's like, okay. But at that moment, Jesus can now do something different. And I imagine he thought back that time in the desert. You know, he goes 40 days without eating. I can't go 40 minutes without eating. Day 10, day 11 starts hitting, stomach sticking together. He's tired, he's beat, he's worn. I remember I had bronchitis for two weeks, solid. <sighs> Never been that sick. Couldn't even get up. Like, I couldn't get up without passing out back down. I thought, oh, I felt for people who had ongoing issues, ongoing disabilities, needs, problems, even mental stuff. I thought, God, they got to deal with this every day, every day. Talk about sapping the energy and the encouragement out of you. And Jesus, for a moment, felt that. And he could look in their eyes, and now there was something different. And when he had that look, there's a connection made. And he connects. The Bible says he had compassion. When that connection's made, that's what softened their heart, opened their mind, weakened their knees. And that was important because it went on, Jesus healed them, and he began to correct how they think. He began to teach them that God wanted more for them. So then he comes around another corner one day. He's just leaving Galilee, and he's got, everybody's with him again. You know, it's just him and the 12. They're all walking around. He comes around to another group of people, and he sees them. And I imagine if he's anything like me, and he's, he's really not anything like me. Most of the time, I'm trying to be anything like him. But if he's just a man, he's looking at a bunch of dudes, and he's like, Peter, these guys aren't sick. But they got no jobs. They're just walking around doing nothing. They're just a bunch of deadbeats. What's going on? And I imagine Peter's like, well, Jesus, <laughs> these people have no direction. They have no place to go. Huh. I'm at, Jesus probably thought, you know, you know, Peter, when I was on that lake, I couldn't find you guys forever. You guys can't sail with a lick. I walk around. You know what it's like, Peter, the wind and the waves, everything's there. You can't see. There's no street waves. There's no, I, can, I don't know if I'm going left or right, starboard, port side. What? I remember when I was 11, I'm sure Peter's like, oh, really, 11? He's like, yeah, that was right before I figured it all out. And he's like, hmm, yeah, I know what that's like. And for the first time, Jesus didn't, couldn't just tell that they were lost. He knew what it felt like to be lost. And the Bible says he began to direct them, teach them. God's directing direction for their lives. Then there's another story in the Bible. This is maybe this is my, maybe my second favorite story. It's the story of Jairus. And Jairus comes up with his boy, and he comes to Jesus, and it's not just about the kid thinks wrong, and we need to correct that, or the kid needs some directions. We just need to push him that way. His kid's suicidal. His kid's been trying to drown himself, burn himself to death. He's got some mental issues. They're causing some problems in the family's life. And Jesus looks at him, and this time he realizes it's not about just giving this kid direction or, doing, or correcting the way he thinks. Dad feels threatened. The kid feels unsafe. Jesus knew what that was like. The whole time he's walking around, he got throngs of people everywhere. And there's this little crew, the peanut gallery over here, plotting to kill him every day. Every single day, Jesus is like, is this the day? Is this the day? Is this, is, this, is this the cross day, Lord? He's looking for the signs, looking for the times. I imagine he thought, I know what that's like. Yeah, 
And he, and he heals the boy and ensures Jairus that God's going to protect you and your boy. So the Bible says that when you've seen Jesus, you've seen a father. All dads have three responsibilities. All dads correct. All dads direct. All dads protect. So, Augustus, this happened, I don't know, seven, eight months ago. He's doing this thing, waking up 5.45 in the morning. We're doing a Bible story deal. We're sitting there, we're hanging out. One morning he comes out differently. I don't know if your kid does this, but kids are kind of weird sometimes. And He comes around the corner and he's like, and he scurries over to the chair and he look, sits down and he looks up, he looks at me. I'm like, going on. He scurries and he takes off to the playroom and plays. I'm like, what was that? The next day he does the same, same thing. Next day he does the same thing. I'm like, the kid's a weirdo. I, I can't have a weirdo as a kid. What's going on? So I did what all dads do. I tried to correct him. I was like, hey, oh, come on, this is stupid. Just walk right out here. None of this weirdo crawling stuff. Walk right out here, sit with me. We'll grab, I'll drink coffee, you drink water, this, then we'll do our deal. Didn't work. So I thought, okay, he just needs some direction. Yeah, did, did you, kids don't know anything. Like, you think something, they would have learned something in that 10, men, 10 months with mom. But she did nothing. Like, they just come out with zero knowledge. You got to teach them everything. Have you noticed that? So I went to his door. I was like, okay, come on. It's real simple. Just grab my hand. Just walk right out here. You just, just, we've been doing this for a year now. Just come on, right? Sit right here. We'll just do our thing. Nope. Scurries off like a little. I was like, hmm. It's like, yeah, weird. So the next day I'm thinking, oh, he's scared of me. Doggone it. I've been a dad for three years and my kid's already scared of me. What kind of failure am I? Kid, golly. So I was like, Augie, you're fine, bud. You're fine. Just, it's no big deal. You had nothing to be scared of. Walk right out the door. Hmm. Nothing. Couldn't do anything. So this went on. Week one. Week two. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then I had the thought, I'm going to go read the prodigal son. But I'm going to read it from the father's perspective. You remember I told you that dad takes all of his dignity, trades it for his son's disgrace, picks up that cloak, goes high kneeing it over to his kid, and engages his kid. And I thought, that's what I need to do. My kid's not weird. My kid's not scared of me. That is me. You see, I was born with this, there's a gap in between knowing how to just walk into a room and start shaking hands and connecting with people. Like, I don't naturally know how to do that. Like, when I walk into a room with a bunch of people, I want to be like, I'll just stand right here. You know, eighth grade dance stars. Kind of stand. And then, then you're the weird creep kind of staring. My wife's always like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. Like, you're, you're acting creepy. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'll be normal. Sorry, sorry. But he had, so in his development, as he's growing, his brain's changing. And so he developed that gap where he realized, oh, my God, everybody's looking at me. <laughs> Jeez, what am I going to do? I thought, oh, that's the deal. So the next morning, I'm like, all right, I got this. So he walks out the, walks out the, den, out the door, and I'm like, 
hey, Augustus, because I'm trying, I'm trying to be the, the dad engaging, like, come hug. But remember, I'm not even good at this either. So I'm like, as weird as it can be. And then he, he's looking at me like, my dad's a weirdo. I got a weird dad. I can't have a weird dad. So he scurries off. I'm like, ah. Oh. So every morning, the next two weeks, I'm like, hey, hey. And then one morning, about two weeks in, he just kind of stands there like, just kind of stands. But he's finally comfortable. I'm thinking, all right, we did it. We moved the ball forward. We moved the ball forward. The next morning, do it again. The next morning, do it again. I'm starting to loosen up because now I'm starting to relax. The next morning, do it again. The next morning, do it again. Culminates on, these are the days you dream of when you're married. So my wife and I decided we're going to start praying together in the morning. You know, we hit that spot in marriage where you're like, did I really marry you? I don't think that was a good idea. I don't know if I like you anymore. And I told her, I was like, but we're married. We, we can't get, this thing's forever. We've got to figure this out. So we started praying in the morning. This is the first morning. The first morning, she's going to get up and pray with me. She's sitting there, and Augie comes around the corner. I'm like, oh, no, she's going to see the weirdness. Shoot. Oh, no, what's going to happen? And Augie comes around the corner, but this time he picks up speed. And it's like he relaxes. And, oh, it's that full speed like the movies. And he's, oh, he grabs me, holds me, and hugs me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know me. Yeah, just, just dadding it up over here, you know, just training up the youth, you know, just, I thought, this is going to work out well for me tonight. Yeah. Mom sees dad doing his thing. When all dads have three responsibilities, all dads correct, all dads direct, all dads protect. But before you correct, reach out to connect. Before you direct where they go, reach out to connect to who they are. And then as you're protecting what threatens them, reach out to connect to them. You know, not, not all of us had the kind of dad experience that we see Jesus is able to display. My dad did the best he could. My dad was the first to accept Jesus Christ in our whole lineage, first to be saved. He kicked it off like the family tree was going well, this way, and he turned it and went this way. He was the first to institute the Word of God into our lives, make that important. But he did everything good. Did you know it wasn't enough? God sent along another man, another father figure, spiritual father, to give me an example fill in those spots. Then he sent along another person and another guy. I've got no excuse. I cannot be a screw-up in my life. It started well. God held my hand all the way through, and it's ended, transitioned well. When I think back at that, most of our, us, that's our story. Our dad, yeah, he... He missed out. He came short. He didn't quite feel it. And you know why? It's because he can't. And neither can you. See, the only dad that can do it is God the Father. So Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Dad, God expects the same 
responsibilities that he expects from us, he expects from himself. So when God reaches out to correct how you think, long before that, he wants to connect to who you are. And when God reaches over to direct where you go, before he gets to that, he wants to connect to who you are. And as God's protecting you, reaching his arms out, Psalm 91, under the shadow of the Almighty, he protects you, he covers you. As he's protecting you from what threatens you, he wants to connect to you. That's the answer. See, I started out building relationships, working things in business, working things in my career, trying to build these relationships over here, and they were okay. And then I got into my family life, and those relationships were okay. But I couldn't get them to all to balance. Like I couldn't, get, I couldn't figure out how to get these to work and these to work, and these I kept, I couldn't quite get there. And then my family life, that was just, that just wasn't there. And I realized the gap was something in the middle. I had to start connecting to God as my father. See, I made God my Lord. That's what we do here. You live in Tulsa, Jerusalem. I mean, this is what we do. You know, you grow up, you're 12 years old, you go to a church camp. I went to Dry Gulch. Some of y'all around here are familiar with Dry Gulch. Cracked my head open in Dry Gulch. There's a sewer man. Sewer plate. You walk out, there's a big sewer uh, manhole, and I was doing some move, and I flipped over and hit my head. This will tell you what time period it was. He told me that no concussion protocol, no med center, no go to the nurse, whoever the head cowboy there, whatever it was, he was like, you can go sit over there. I'm like, all right, I'll go sit over that bench. That's a good idea. I can't see. I'm blurry. I'll go sit over there. The, when I began to connect to God as my father, that's when my relationships began to change across the board. Because I no longer was reaching out to try to, with that angst to try to feel something and prove something and get something to, somebody to do something. God as a father will correct you. He will direct you and he will protect you. Long before he gets to that, he wants to connect to you. So here in a minute, I'm going to pray. Really, we're all kind of in three buckets. Some of us, we've never accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Some of us are the third group, and things are going good. We've, We've had the opportunity. We understand the fulfillment of connecting to God the Father. But the bulk of us are right smack dab in the middle. And either we've never seen God as our Father, or we just don't go there often. So I'm gonna, in a minute, I'm going to pray. And if you're in that spot where you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just give a glance up to heaven. You don't have to look at me. Lord knows I can't help you. But just look to heaven. Just acknowledgement. The Bible's big on a public acknowledgement, making God your Lord. But then also, if you know you need to reconnect, you know that there's a gap in between you and the Father, you take an opportunity to look up. Because at that moment, God's going to start connecting to you. 
He's going to start reaching down. And when you're used to being corrected, he's going to connect. When you're used to being directed, he's going to connect. And while he's protecting you, he's going to connect. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time, God, for these men. God, your word says that when we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. You are now our Father God. Here in just a moment, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to acknowledge you as Lord and more, and secondarily, maybe more importantly today, now acknowledge you as Father. So if you're in that boat, whether you've, you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time today, or you want to reconnect to your Father today, you take a moment, just give him a brief look, acknowledge to him that you want to do that, and then in here in a moment, we're all going to pray together corporately and wrap this thing up. So, Ben, say this with me. I know it feels awkward. You can look up. We're all going to say this together. And this is that moment. If you're accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're fixing to say a prayer, and that's going to be it. If you're reconnecting to God, you're fixing to say a prayer where, where you're going to be at. But I wanted to say this real quick. This is kind of awkward. Has anybody ever noticed that? Isn't it weird to talk out loud? But there's something that happened to me as a guy. He kind of built some confidence I didn't have, which was a weird response. So if this is weird for you, I'm with you. But just know the results are great. So let's say this together. Say, Lord, I make you my Lord and Savior. You're my father, and I want to reconnect to you as dad. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.